Welcome everybody to the best podcast in the world. This is the Strength and Skills Podcast. My name is Nick Chibuzek and with me, there's the only Don in a podcast ever, Don Rado Bosic. Hello. The, the Don just got an upgrade or I don't know if this is an upgrade, but yeah, it's just a mustache now. So now I'm truly a Don. So. I think that's very Donish. Thank you. I like it. I like it. For all the YouTube guys, do you like it too? Please put it in the comments. Make yeah. it grow the mustache. I love that. All right. Today's topic is also a very Don-like topic because when you have it, you are definitely closer to being a Don. We are talking about big arms. Big, 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 big arms. <laughs> build that up with calisthenics. Well, this is probably going to be the most important episode we've ever done. Yeah. Um, yeah, as I like to think of uh, the arms being the most important muscle muscle group. So sh share this one. That, that's, that's the thing. If you don't have arms, you don't have arms. Imagine that. Being, being, having skinny arms is like... That's, that's, that's just a problem. That's yeah. just a problem. You, you know the saying from Andy that the biceps is the window to the soul. And he's right with that. That's, that's, that's a fact. So let's get it on with this one. So as you already mentioned it, I think we have to go into a little bit of anatomic stuff because meanwhile, after this hypertrophy series, everybody should know there are some classic things that we always have to think of building muscle, yeah? like the metabolic stuff and mechanical tension and stuff like that. But today we dive into, into biceps and triceps, how to actually make them really, really work. And I think we're going to nerd a, bit, a little bit here. And I, I love to be like that. So we should go into, into um, <laughs> the, the anatomy of, of the triceps. Let's, let's talk about it. So what would you say? How, how do you see the, the biceps and what, what do we have to, to think of when we think of the biceps? Yeah, so just as you noted, like knowing the anatomy behind the muscle is going to allow you to actually train the muscle because you want to train it in its function. And then like, again, if you know the specifics of that anatomy, it will also allow you to tackle the muscle in more depth. So going from something like, okay, I'm just doing bicep curls for the biceps because I know that's like, the exercise for it, if you know that the bicep has other functions, not only in the elbow, but also in the shoulder, for example, you'll be able to kind of tackle these little things. If you notice, okay, one of my parts of the biceps is lacking. Um, so when it comes to the biceps anatomy, I mean, it's a pretty straightforward muscle. It's a small muscle. It's um, actually going from the shoulder, um, attaching to the elbow. And we have two heads of the biceps being the short head and the long head. And you can imagine this like these two parts, the short head being on the inner side, so the closer to the body side, and the longer head being from the outer side of the body. Um, and why it's called a long and the short head is just because of the tendons that go out of the shoulder. You can see that the um, long head actually has a longer starting point uh, than the short head, and that's the only reason for it. In many pictures, you can actually see that the short head kind of looks bigger than the long head, which is kind of counterintuitive and makes some people um, confused, but it's actually the, the opposite. 
That's pretty much straightforward and on point, sir. <laughs> so actually, when we look at the two hats, um, when we look into the function, do we have any any um, differences on on how we actually target them? Yeah, so I mean, when you, when you look at the bicep muscle itself, its main function is to flex the elbow and to supinate. And then within these two heads, you can see different functions. For example, the longer head, which as noted is on the outer side, is automatically going to be connected with uh, the abduction of the arm, so bringing the arm on the side. And the shorter head has another function being the anti-version, actually bringing the arm up front in front of the body. And these two points are going to be important in us actually kind of wanting to go into more depth and how to target these a bit more specifically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But let me know if I missed out on something um, at the functions. Yeah. So when, when, when we look into, into the variations, how to pretty much isolate the, the um, biceps, we have to look for that because that's how we actually choose exercises for the biceps. And um, in, in most cases, especially in calisthenics, we probably will have exercises which are not so isolated as usually we, we target the biceps with everything where we pull something towards us. So like pull-ups, uh, like, like chin-ups, but also all the rowing stuff. Um, at that point, I think everybody already knows that, but um, now we have to dive a little bit more into depth in, I, I would say kind of <laughs> like, like biceps um, curl variations and how to actually structure them so that we have the best growth for the biceps. Um, what, what are exercises that, that fall into your mind when you think of these biceps curls, especially when it comes to uh, calisthenics exercises? Uh, for example, like um, if you ask me, pretty much two movements that you're probably going to need. I mean, with calisthenics, you are a bit limited when it comes to bicep curls variations, and they're mostly done on rings, as rings kind of give you that freedom to move. Um, in a different way in comparison to a bar. Uh, for me, just the normal bicep ring curl on the rings tends to be a nice option for the longer head of the biceps. So having the arm up uh, at around of a 90 degree angle in this um, anti-verse state, and from there just doing this bicep curl motion whilst maintaining um, a high elbow angle um, is gonna train the biceps obviously in its function, but it's also gonna train the uh, longer head of it as the shorter head doesn't have to work so much because its function of this anti-version is already kind of shut off and um, that's why it has less work to do. And the second movement that um, I like to do is uh, the pelican curl, which is the almost like complete opposite of this movement because you are in this retroverse state and you have to actually bring your arms into anti-version, so closer to the body whilst curling it, whilst doing deflection which is a lovely movement for uh, the shorter head of the biceps. Obviously, this poses a big, big stretch at the start. And you can connect this to something like an incline curl on a bench, which is pretty much the same motion then. So these two movements um, would be my go-to when it comes to calisthenics. 
Absolutely. I, I would say exactly the same um, as we, we will definitely have a problem when we are doing stuff in calisthenics. We will have the issue that it will come to the point where we just we only have the rings and it's going to be pretty hard to do like like neutral positioning of the wrist um, to, to curl like that. Um, as I really have to say, when it comes to isolation movements, it really makes sense to use external objects like dumbbells and stuff like that. So at that point, we already mentioned, yes, you can target the biceps very, very well with all the chin-up work, um, with, with stuff like, like um, rowing and all that stuff. And of course, we have to admit that um, crazy stuff like in Hefesto can also work the biceps very, very hard in a mechanical way. But there's a big but on that. And um, the, the, the risk of really, really like ripping off the biceps in motions like that is pretty high. And I'm pretty aware that most people are probably not able to do it. Like, especially when you're um, not completely into it and training like, like insane for years, you're probably not going to be able to do a pesto in your life. Like, I, I actually, I, I'm I'm not even interested in that movement because to me, it's a very, very risky movement. And for that, I'm, I'm not into in that hype. But um, that's my personal view on that. And there's a good way to do pretty much the same movement with the pelican um, curl which is amazing for that. Um, what do we have to, to look for also is something that a lot of people don't have in mind. It's this punctum mobile, punctum fixum um, thing. And I think that's going to be a little bit interesting because it's something that's not completely backed up with science, but already a little bit. So there is a tendency into, into that. Um, and this is a little bit nerdy, I would say, uh, when, when we come into this, because that's that's something where we have to look for. So to 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 make that clear in the beginning, the punctum mobile is the the thing that you move, and the punctum fixum is the thing that sticks pretty much in the same position all the time. So as an example, when we are doing like ring curls. Pretty much the wrist and the elbow stays pretty much in the same um, position. Like, okay, there will be differences in like, I don't know, like five centimeters of movement in the air, you know, when you do the ring curl. But when we, when we look at the body, the body moves, definitely, because we curl the, the body to the wrist, closer to the wrist. And so on, the, the um, body will be the punctum mobile. And um, usually there is some saying that when you are having movements, then usually the, the muscle grows kind of a little bit more in the direction of the punctum mobile. So from, from that on, my muscle would probably grow a little bit more closer to my body as the body would be the punctum mobile. 
And that's, that's super interesting um, and to, 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 to nerd into that direction because that would mean to curl body weight and to curl something external would both make sense to put into a, a, a training program when it comes to building a bigger arm. So it would absolutely make sense to do some ring rows, uh, ring curls, and maybe on another day having some um, supinated classic dumbbell curls. So both added into a program would round it up pretty well. So why are doing bodybuilders not all the time ring curls? Sorry? Why are doing bodybuilders? Why are bodybuilders never do, do ring curls? Yeah, you know, like the thing with bodyweight exercises is you have so many things to watch out on and that could actually take away from the main focus of the exercise being isolating the biceps. You know, like something like a bicep curl on the rings um, can be quite a strenuous movement for people who are just new into it because you have to watch your alignment. You have to keep the body in a nice and straight line. The core has to be tight. You have to watch that you don't move the elbow too far up and down. And for example, also the pelican curl, so many things to watch on there through too, you know, and also the intensity might be a bit too much for someone who's just getting, getting into it. Uh, and just performing eccentric in and of itself is an intense movement enough to actually, you know, get some stillness in there. So I think that's one of the reasons uh, why they don't do it most probably, but also the body weight being a factor, you know, you just have to move a big percentage of your body weight to target such a small muscle. Um, and then, you know, just a more economical way of doing that is having external load. Yeah. That's kind of my view of things, these two reasons. Absolutely. Because yeah. when you look into something like a pelican curl, the mechanical load is extremely high on, on this small little muscle. Yeah. You are actually curling pretty much of your body weight. When, when you look into classic curls, how much do you curl rather? Exactly. So, yeah. For, that's that's the thing with free weights you can you can scale it down you know you can track progress with it with with body weight stuff it's really hard to say okay i have really progressed with this exercise i mean i can, I can imagine with the bicep curl you can kind of aim to get closer to the floor more horizontal in the body alignment in order to have more intensity but then again you'll never be 100 sure on the other hand load is load and it doesn't change at all yeah. you know so yeah that's like another big plus of it. You can scale it down and you can track progress. And I think this is something that a lot of people overlook. If you want to build big arms, you want to view these exercises just like any other exercise you have in your program. Too many people just go through the motions just to go through them, you know, just to get a pump or something and don't scale it down, don't track the progress and try and aim to progress in those exercises. You still want to apply the principles of progressive load. You still want to increase the load you curl because in that way you'll be sure, okay, if I have increased the numbers on my curl, I'm probably also increasing the size of my muscle. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, this was, this was a big rant on <laughs> tracking your progress with arm training. <laughs> do it, please. Please do it. Don't do random stuff. Do it. We need that. We need bigger arms. Yeah. Your arms are too small. That's why you're listening. <laughs> oh, oh, Nick. Triggered. Very direct. Very direct. 
And the reason is because the arms are always too small. Oh, so, yeah. Oof. You can never get enough for arms. <laughs> oh, holy mother. All right. <laughs> so um, why are there so many different variations of curls? And what are the most important variations of curls? What would you say? Oh, that's, uh, that's a very, very open question. Yeah, uh, I think... You know, just uh, the reason for having so many variations is, I, I guess, the functions coupled together just give so many possibilities. You know, people realize, okay, the biceps can do this and that. This is where I feel this head more and vice versa. And I guess people have been just like trying to get uh, the best exercise out there to, you know, just target the biceps in, a more, in the most effective way. Um, But if you ask me like something like a normal standing bicep curl with a barbell or a dumbbell doesn't matter at all is a pretty good starting point because you will train the biceps first through its main function being the flexion at the elbow and then supinated, you know, and then like if you wish to target each head a bit more specifically, you can go and move the arm in either direction. So moving the arm up in front. Uh, it's going to be more um, long head focused. So doing something like a concentration curl, you're going to be focusing more on the outer head of the biceps and going into the reverse uh, direction, doing something like an incline curl, posing a nice stretch there. Uh, you're going to be having uh, a nice effect on the short head. So something like that. So having um, a normal bicep curl standing, going into the front direction, having like uh, spider curls or concentration curls and then the incline curl. It's like you have to, you have the full package in there. And then also, you know, you want to talk about the brachialis, but that's that's our topic later on. No? It, it is also a very uh, important one because um, the next thing would be how important is wrist positioning in in the actual uh, curling as we definitely have variations of being completely supinated, being in a neutral position, being in a pronated position, and of course, um, mixing it all together by um, maybe starting pronated and coming into a supinated on top. Um, how, how, how do you think about that? What, what are your go-to exercises for stuff like that? Well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, it depends on what you work on and what you work with. I mean, if you work with a barbell, you're always going to be supinated. You're not going to have freedom to rotate, you know. Um, if you work with dumbbells, then you can play around with that, uh, depending on what you want to achieve with the exercise. If you want to train the bicep only through the through the flexion, you're just going to be in that supinated state all the time and just do that. If you want to target more of the supination aspect of it, you're obviously going to introduce supination movements and move the wrist from a more neutral position to uh, this rotation um, as you come closer to the top. That's pretty much it. What, what's your take on that? Um, I would say um, it's it's pretty interesting to, to um, have these things in mind. And also, uh, because of health reasons, I would always rotate stuff like that um, through the year. <laughs> So um, 
we already have this punctum mobile, punctum fixum thing. Now we are having rotations of, of um, the, the, the wrist in here. And you mentioned uh, before um, the elbow positioning through curls. So having the elbow a little bit more up, having the elbow a little bit more down ta is targeting the, the um, biceps always a little bit different. So everybody already had some, some uh, takeaways from here. So now we're talking a little bit more into the, into the wrist positioning. So um, when we look into, um, into, into that stuff, um, one of the best ways, for my opinion, to really bring mechanical, yeah, like, like tension into, into the curl would be, of course, the Scott curl, which is pretty much you lay your arm on, a, on something and then really extend the arm fully and coming from there, which is bringing a lot of tension on the biceps, especially as you are really in a stretch positioning. And especially the beginning will be extremely hard. Later on, it's going to be a little bit easier for you, but the stretched position will be very, very hard. Um, another exercise would be the classic hammer curl which is also always an exercise where people can usually get, go pretty heavy. Why is that so? And um, how would you, would you actually use these exercises? Uh, so the reason why people can go heavy on hammer curls is I think uh, because um, together with the biceps flexing the elbow, I mean, obviously you don't have the supination anymore, which takes takes away a lot of the work that the bicep has to do. And you only have this pure flexion at the elbow happening. Together with the biceps, the brachialis is also going to be really dominant in there. And it's going to help out a lot. And because of that, the hammer curl is probably going to be a variation where you can pull a bit more load than in the classic curl. And it's also like a pretty more, it's a, it's a more straightforward motion, huh? There's just this boom, pure flexion, that's it. Um, and I think that's the reason for it. Would you say it's important to do that to increase performance in pull-ups? Well, that's that's a really hard question. Like there, it's hard to say that like curls are gonna, gonna directly positively influence your, your pulling. Um, I think I mean. Potentially, yeah, through through the increased muscle mass, you could have more potential for potential for pulling. And also like just general conditioning of the elbow could be another nice reason. Like as you mentioned, for the health reasons, quote unquote, introducing some curls, uh, that might be one of the reasons for it. But like direct connection of it, uh, I don't know. Have you made experiences where people like when they increase their curl numbers have directly increased their pulling numbers? Um, I wouldn't say there is just this one person uh, where we did some curls and he increased pull-up numbers, it's not like that. Because yeah. we're also always doing some, some pull-ups and stuff like that. But um, I would say there are biceps curl variations where we definitely can say, okay, they may have a little bit more transfer effect into pull-ups and there are biceps curl variations which may have more transfer effect into your chin-ups which is probably pretty interesting for people who are into pull-up and chin-up performance. And um, that, that, that's, that's where I would go into a little bit more right now as um, 
we already talked about some stuff um, here and, and, and this is also a little bit, uh, let it be a little side journey of, of this curl journey. <laughs> yeah, we're still trying to be a bit more specific to Cali, so I think it's good. Yeah, that's, that's well. So um, when you look at how you are positioning your arm and um, how you are actually um, in, in a pull-up and how you are positioning your arm in a, in a chin-up, it makes a little bit more sense to do some, some neutral grip curls, which is a little bit more into the hammer um, curl direction. Um, for some pull-ups, as when you look into into that, you are definitely not in a supinated uh, position. So, um, but you're also a little bit on the side of your body with the arm. So we definitely have the lateral aspect in here, and of course we have have this a little bit more neutral positioning. So having some some new. Um, some some hammer curls in there would probably give you some more um, uh, benefit for pull-ups. I would say. How do you see that? I mean, that does make sense. Um, could also like be that through doing more curl work, people develop a sensation, you know, actually feeling the muscle and how to potentiate and activate it, and thus later on when they do more complex exercises like the pull-up, they're able to use it more efficiently because this neural connection is better. And like we know how big of a role the bicep plays um, in the closing of the pull-up. So I think that might also be like one of the potential benefits of it, just feeling the muscle better and being able to activate it better. Mm -hmm. So especially for the closing movement, yeah, when it comes to the pull-up, it would make sense to also, when, when, when you look at it, it's, it's like you're here in that position, the arms a little bit out of your, your line directly, a little bit next to the body. And then you're pulling, and it's it's definitely not the same like you're pulling with a supinated grip. Seeing that from a biceps point of view. So from, from what I would say, a classic neutral position in there would be pretty much the the the, um, the one that definitely gives you more help for for the pull up. Pretty much, I would say so. Yes. So the the question here is: Would you think a Scott curl is a good exercise to develop more strength for closing? A pull-up or a chin-up? Well, I, I don't think so because uh, with the Scott curl, you have this you have this pad beneath you, no? And the upper body is fixated as, as well as the upper arm, and it's only the lower arm that moves, no? And through that, it's it's exactly the, the, the point we were talking about, the underarm being the punctum mobile here and the rest of the body being the punctum fixum. And you will probably, because of that experience, hypertrophy happening mostly at the point where the biceps attach at the elbow, mm -hmm. which isn't quite a specific motion uh, for the chin-ups. The chin-ups, it's almost like the complete opposite because you have 
the whole body moving and the uh, arms actually in the under underarm in this case being fixated. Um, so maybe having something like a spider crawl maybe might be more specific because you have the freedom to kind of move a bit and it's not so fixated with the upper arm. Uh, but I think this is one of the curl variations you you kind of introduced the the one with standing the standing one with the band and doing it banded because the resistance increases as you come closer to the top, which is exactly what you want to have. Um, doing that like standing banded normal curls is probably going to be a more specific variation for the chin up uh, because it has almost like a similar resistance profile. Uh, where it becomes harder towards the top and not easier, which is the case in the Scott curl. And I think this is the, the, the word that we had to look for. The resistant curve is extremely important when it comes to is, um, exercise selection in terms of I want to, I, wa I have an exercise like the chin-up or pull-up and I want to have a profit from the assistance or accessory exercise for that one. So when, when we look into um, things like, like a, a ring curl, the resistance curve will be the hardest part is actually when you are completely extended and start bending the arm. And the exercise will get easier because you are bringing your body up. But that's not the case when you are completely flat down and maybe have the feet up. But on that point, you would have to curl your whole body weight up, which is probably too much for most to curl properly. So um, now we have to think of, of um, exercises, how we can actually bring the, the resistance profile of the exercise um, into the same profile that we have with the chin-up where we definitely have the hardest part closing um, or the pull-up, same, same for that, closing the movement. So, and, and a very good exercise for that would be everything where you are leaned forward when you just have an external um, object that you are moving. I don't mind what it is. It would make absolutely sense to um, lean forward because then gravity pulls very, very hard when you are really closing, when you're in, in the most extend, ex extension of, of the elbow at that point. So you're really, nah, flexion, I'm sorry. That was the word. <laughs> so um, when you are really in, in the flexion, that's actually the, the um, stuff like you said, the spider curl would be an amazing exercise for that. And we have to keep in mind, where should the elbow be at that point? Because a lot of people tend to bring the elbow forward when closing a, a curl, which makes the exercise most of the time a little bit easier. Because of course, you are bringing the elbow below the object that you are moving, whatever that is, or if it's a barbell, a dumbbell, I don't care, but it makes it easier at that point because the, the, the external object, and that's a big difference to when you are moving um, your body. 
And this is getting very interesting now <laughs> because when you are moving the body, and of course the elbow has to stay below the bar to bring most force into, it, into, into the movement. But you are curling now the body weight in the end of the movement closer to the bar. And that's something when we do that with an external object, we make it easier to, to really bring the power into it. The next thing, thing is that's getting very interesting. When is the muscle the strongest and when is it the, the weakest? Yeah, so like at the start, obviously the muscle isn't strong because it's lengthened. At the end of the motion, it isn't strong because it's so shortened and you probably can't use all of the muscle fibers to execute the motion. So where midway is roundabout, where we have the most potential to actually create force. Um, so in the case of the bicep curl, it would be like, you know, somewhere at around 90 degrees, let's say, of elbow flexion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what we have to aim for, as we usually, when, when it comes to, to um, vertical pulling, yeah, um, we usually have most, um, like, like um, help from the lats and stuff like that when we are in the beginning of the movement. And we have less help from, from, from the, the um, lats and stuff like that when we're in the end, when we're in the closing movement. So biceps is in a position where it's already very, very shortened. So probably a little bit weaker. And it doesn't get a lot of help from the lats at that point. So we have to bring ourselves into the best mechanical position to actually bring most force into this. And here's the question that is getting very interesting. How do we how do we bring in the right curl variation before we have to, to, to develop more strength in that position? And the next thing would be, and this is getting pretty interesting for all the pullers out there, where should we position the elbows? What do you say? Well, it's... Uh... Yeah, so I would say that you don't want in the chin up, you don't want the elbows to drive behind the body. You mm -hmm. want to uh, maintain an almost like vertical forearm as you pull. If not, maybe even have the elbow slightly in front of the in front of the bar mm -hmm. at the start of pulling, and then as you come closer to the top, aiming to maintain this nice and vertical positioning of the of the forearm because that's gonna ensure okay the elbow is directly below the wrist. And in that way, you actually place the lever on the biceps in a really efficient way so that the biceps can work properly. If you bring it too far back, you obviously, by bringing it back, you're going to shorten it further and you're going to have less potential to actually contract because you're already in a really shortened position. And to get closer to the top, you won't be able to execute that because you don't have any more range of motion. Yeah. So yeah, I would say at the start, have a ten tendency to kind of a nice cue that I like to use is imagine you want to push against the elbow. You want to push against the elbow, driving the elbow slightly forward. And then as you come closer to the top, focusing on maintaining this vertical posture of the, of the forearm is probably the best option you can go for. But then again, I mean, when you look at it, uh, some of the best pullers uh, in the world, like 
When you look at their elbow position and get to top, as they close the motion, the elbow kind of tends to go back, you know, mm -hmm. which is debatable whether or not that is an effective position to be in. It's not. When, when you look at it from a biomechanical way, it's, it's stupid. But most people are not aware of it because um, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm at my max and um, I really want to bring my body there and then bring the, 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 the head there. But to be in the end, in a long-term game, a little bit more efficient here would absolutely make sense to keep the elbows below the bar here. And this is extremely important to have that in, in mind. Uh, so um, the, the elbow has to stick below the wrist from every view that you have from, from the back and from the side. Keep it below the wrist and you're good to go. And it, because you can just bring more tension into it. It, it doesn't matter if this is a pull-up or, or a chin-up. That's it. That's extremely important. So um, that, that, that was a little bit uh, the journey into the pulling thing here, but coming back to the curls. So um, the resistance curve would absolutely make, make most sense to, as you already uh, mentioned, having something that, that is a, a movement that is not um, lowering the resistance when you are more in the in the in the most um, flexion, so because then you still have to go through this. The, the interesting part here is, as we want the muscle to grow mostly in that range, we have to consider that when we are doing stuff like that, maybe with a resistance band, the the beginning of the movement will be pretty easy for us doing the biceps curl. And this is something that we have to, to consider when we are doing um, this, 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 this um, exercise selection, because um, we also have to do different um, biceps curl variation where we also are actually um, bringing in the muscle fibers into really, really having good and hard contraction during the rest of the movement. So we have to bring in different variations of the curl when this is actually the thing that we have to, to look for. So it makes absolutely sense to have some, some um, curls with a resistance profile, which is more into, into the flexion part, but we also have to think of the other curl variations that, that we can actually bring in there. So it's not like do this curl variation, it's going to fix all of your problems. So that, that's, that's a very important one. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And uh, maybe a, a, an important note, you just won't be able to, yeah, exactly, do all of the curl variations and have them in one training program. You know, like, and, and you want to kind of almost limit yourself and how much you implement that because you don't want to have adverse effects and interfering effects with your main work, you know? If, if your goal is to get stronger on chin-ups or general pulling work, then don't overdo it with everything we mentioned. Just, you know, kind of limit yourself in how much exercises you choose and try and, you know, experiment with things, see what works, see what doesn't work and uh, see if that helps you, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So what we do with our clients is rotating stuff like that through the year. 
yeah having in mind okay what 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 do we actually need do we actually need the biceps curl right now in most cases you just don't don't need it and um on the other hand sometimes you definitely need it so whoops i i made some some destroyment here um <laughs> just brought me a little bit out of my my, my line um so we, we are rotating this through the year and um, thinking of, okay, what, what do we actually need? Where are the weaknesses in terms of hypertrophy, in terms of performance? Um, we, we have to, to, to think of all these things and choose the right one that absolutely makes sense. Because why should I put that kind of volume extra on something if we don't need it? Why should I do so? Yes, that, that's a very important one. To, to choose the right one for the right situation is extremely important in terms of time management and, of course, also um, for actually the fatigue management. That's an, an extremely important one because um, when it comes to the elbow, a lot of people get elbow pain when they do too much. So we have to consider that into the, all of that too. Well then, did we talk enough about curls now? Well, yeah, I think we have. We're gonna we're gonna round it up at the end and uh, just give some like general like recommendations. I think this was a lot of information to process. Um, yeah, just so people aren't kind of confused. I think at the end it might be smart to just kind of round it up and say do this and that for this and that. So I would I would actually say as we are into it like 45 minutes now, okay. only talked about curls. We're gonna call this one here the the curl episode, and we're gonna talk about triceps in the next episode. That's yeah. perfect. That's. I, I have a question for you. What what is your personal favorite curling variation? Like uh, everything at the side, the function, the, 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 the reasoning for it, the programming, just the, the variation you enjoy the most. Come on, you have to have a favorite. I would say I have like two. <laughs> two. Okay. I really, I really like, um, hammer curls just because it's so, I can use my hips and have fun, you know? <laughs> it's like I, 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 you can go from, from very strict in the beginning into a completely skiing look. I, I love that. And I would, I would recommend it that way because it's just fun, pumping and having fun with it. Yeah, And, and that's extremely important to me. I, I like to have fun in training. <laughs> and there's another one because... Um, when in 2018, when I was um, preparing myself for the bodybuilding stage, I had so many incline curls in there. I remember that. I did so many of them. I think I had them like three times a week because I fucking love them. And I love incline curls. Being in the, in the bench, a little bit lean back and just I can squeeze that out. I can, I just, I, I killed myself there. And I love that. I absolutely love that. So I definitely have to say I love both of the exercises and I'm completely down for that. So if you ever meet me in training and, and you say, 
Nick, whatever you're doing right now, after in the end of the training, let's do some 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 hammer curls and incline curls. I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I have to give that question back. What what is your favorite one? Yeah, I actually have the same answer with the hammer curl. Like this for the reasons you mentioned, like how you how you can start off really strict and then later on just hammer the hell out of yourself you know like no pun intended <laughs> uh being uh heavy and wrong yeah in english like go heavy don't have strict form towards the end allow yourself the freedom to do that it's great fun especially when you do it with friends you know and the pump you get after that is massive it really is massive And it's good for the ego, you know? It's good for the ego. <laughs> Just take 30 kilos in the hammer curl and smash it. I love that. I love that. What's, what's, what, do you have a second one or is it the, the old the, one? The hammer curl is my go-to, honestly. Perfect. Everything else come, comes below that. I love that. I love that. This is an homage to the hammer curl. This whole episode. <laughs> so, thank you for listening to this curl episode if you need help with your curls then you're free to <laughs> contact us on the strength and skills podcast <laughs> hit us up shoot us your questions about your curl variation <laughs> and if you yeah, need comment below what's your favorite curl variation yeah, comment please below. do that comment below comment below <laughs> what's your favorite curl variation bring it on Thank you for listening and catch you on the next episode. Have a good one. And get some pump with some hammer curls. Actually, do some hammer curls and tag us in your story. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Do so. See you in the next one.